We are in Deuteronomy, and as Audrey told the children, Moses is preparing them for a day when he will no longer be with them. And so this is from the 18th chapter of Deuteronomy. The nations you dispossess listen to sorcerers and, uh, and divinations, but you are not permitted to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you from among your people a prophet like you. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked the Lord at Horeb on the day of the great assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord anymore or see the great fire or we will die. The Lord said what they say is good. So he said, I will raise up from among the people a prophet like you. I will put my words into his mouth and he will speak everything I command. And I will hold to account everyone who does not listen to the words of the prophet spoken in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of another God will be put to death. You may say to yourself, how can I know whether a word is spoken of the Lord or not? If someone proclaims a word in the name of the Lord and it does not come to pass or does not come true, then the Lord has not spoken that word. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be alarmed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I believe it was the comedian Lily Tomlin who once observed, Why is it that when we talk to God, it's called prayer, and when God talks to us, it's called schizophrenia? And yet, as suspicious as we might be about people who hear voices from God, the fact of the matter is, all throughout human history, people have wanted to hear from God. The pagans wanted to hear from their gods. The famous oracle at Delphi or the oracle at Didyma in Asia Minor had thousands of people every year who would travel just to inquire of uh, the gods that spoke in those places. We have stories in history where people will travel hundreds, if not thousands of miles and wait months, if not in, uh, even up to a year, which was the case in one king, just to hear a word from the pagan god. And the people in the New Testament are no different. We're told that when John the Baptist comes, that people go way out into the wilderness because they believe he's a prophet and they want to hear from God. When Jesus spoke, we are told that crowds followed him to listen to his teaching. People want to hear from God. But unfortunately, it's not just as easy as that. God doesn't always, our God, make it completely plain like God did with Paul. Remember, Paul's on the road to Damascus and he gets struck down and then hears the voice of God. Or, like Jesus, Jesus is being baptized and the heavens open and he hears a voice from God. And even Moses, we're told in the scripture, spoke with God face to face as a friend speaks with a friend. But for most of us, that's not the way it works. I'm reminded of what one of my favorite preachers once observed. He said, God never speaks to us in a voice loud enough for the whole family to hear. And so it is, sometimes we think God may be telling us to do something, and then, like Audrey with the egg, we have to try to somehow convince the people around us. 
But the fact of the matter is God does speak. And as Audrey told the children, the first and primary place God speaks is in the Bible. And I assure you that in your Bible, you have everything that you need to participate fully in the life that God wants for you and to be a part of God's kingdom moving across this earth. But it is also true that in Scripture, God will speak outside decrees and speak through human mediums. God speaks through people that we call prophets. And God speaks so often in the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament through human beings that Dallas Willard draws this one conclusion. He said, if you don't listen to other people, you're not planning to listen to God. Because so often, God will use a human voice to speak a word or an encouragement uh, to speak into our hearts. But then that raises the big question, well, how do we know if what another human being has told us God has said is really true? This prophecy is, is a difficult business. Some of you may have seen the San Antonio paper, the Metro section yesterday. Uh, there was a discussion about a lawsuit, and a, and a guy apparently sued his employer because his employer called in consultants. These consultants had apparently prophetic gifts, and they were saying that God had told them certain things about his employee. And the employee claims that that led to his dismissal. Well, I wasn't there, I don't know, but it just reminds us that sometimes this prophecy business is not cut and dry. And that's why Moses has to help people to learn to hear when someone claims to speak a voice, uh, a word from God, whether it's really God's word or not. And what Moses says is this, he says, look, if somebody tells you something and it, that it's from God and it doesn't come true, then it wasn't from God. And my first response is, well, gee, thanks, Moses. Uh, but what do I do until I find out whether it comes true or not? Because often when God speaks, God may be calling on us to do something in a fairly timely manner. And maybe you and I don't have time to figure out whether it's going to come to pass or not. It could even be about an event that is some time away. What are we to do then? Well, I believe Moses has not left us without help. If someone claims to speak a word to our nation, to our church to our family, to our small group, to us individually, there are ways that we can test to see whether that is really God's voice. Uh, the first thing Moses says is this, you are not to listen to uh, diviners and sorcerers. And, and we might say, well, we don't really know any diviners or sorcerers, we don't hang around those people. But one of the things is that there were diviners and sorcerers in Moses' day. Archaeologists have found... Um, like clay replicas of calf livers and things they would use to, to cast to look for an omen about whether uh, the pagan god wanted them to do something or not or was going to give them victory or not. And what usually happened is sorcerers and diviners were about predicting the future and giving us a competitive advantage. They're telling us ahead of time what might happen or we try to get them to maneuver God to make uh, what we want to happen to happen. So one of the ways you can recognize that a voice is not from God is if it involves controlling the future or trying to, to predict or know the future rather than just trying to obey what God wants you to do. If somebody's in the control business and trying to manipulate God or manipulate future events, then you can be pretty sure they are not from Yahweh, the, our God, the God of the universe. Now, most children remember the story of Balaam's talking donkey. But do you remember how the, why the donkey finally had to speak up? It's because there was a man named Balak 
who was trying to maneuver our control and outcome. And so he tried to get a diviner to speak against Israel and to curse Israel. He didn't want to know what God wanted. He wanted to have what he wanted to come true. And so he wanted a curse put on Israel, which was not going to happen. And so finally the donkey has to put an end to it and tell the guy just to stop. Anytime you see people trying to control or manipulate events, uh, citing words from God, you can be reasonably certain they are not from our God. In fact, much of uh, interpretation, I think, of biblical prophecy, Daniel and Revelation, simply amounts to people trying to put a timeline on God and say, and say to God, now you have to do this at this point. At this point, you have to come back. Or at this point, you have to end the world. Or at this point, you have to make this happen in, in Israel. And that, as you might realize, sort of limits the freedom of God when we're telling God that God must do things by a certain date. Look in your bulletin today, you can find that there was a Methodist in the 18th century, an associate of John Wesley, who who, uh, predicted the world would end in 1763. In my lifetime, it was very popular to believe that the world might end in 1988 because that was one generation or 40 years after Israel came back together as a nation. And then, of course, we all remember others who thought it would happen in the year 2000. None of those are God's words because they're about prediction and control. And Moses is told that the prophet will speak what I put in the prophet's mouth. The prophecy is, uh, is not first and foremost about prediction. It's not about saying a week from Thursday you will meet a tarbuck stranger or a week from Friday there will be meatloaf in the employee's cafeteria. It's not about that at all. It's about speaking a word from God into your current situation. Now, it often has to do with the future because God will tell the people, if you don't do these things, other things are likely to follow. But a prophet is not about prediction. A prophet is not about manipulation. A prophet brings us a helpful word from God. And to that end, Moses says that God told him, I'm going to raise up a prophet from among your people. So this tells us that by and large, prophets are people we know. People whose words and uh, we can test and whose past actions we can test. A prophet doesn't come from another country to tell us what to do or from somewhere outside our community, according to what God said to Moses. In other words, when a prophet tells us or somebody tells us they have a word from God for us, whether it be for our church or us individually, we should know these people. And we should know whether they tend to hear God accurately and, and pass that on or whether they don't. Some years ago, I went through what um, a lot of the early Christian writers called dark night of the soul. I, I just had a, a, a real four-month period where it, things just seemed like a, a heavy cloud was over me. And one day, a woman in England is ironing her clothes. And she's praying for me, and she hears God say that this cloud over David which I never told her about, is going to lift in about a month. And so she sent me an email. But you need to know this woman was from among my people. I had known her for nine years. We'd often prayed and talked about Scripture together. And you also need to know that within a month, exactly what she said would happen did happen. If she ever said anything else to me, you can bet I would pay attention to it. She was from among my people. I knew uh, I get a chance as a pastor, as you might guess, to, to have a lot of people come to me and say, God is telling you to tell your church. Or God is telling you that your church should. And the fact of the matter is, if I have a history with them and, and they've been wrong before, I tend to discount that. 
If I would have a history with them, and I know they've been accurate before, they're from among my people, I will be more attentive to that. Moses has not left us without any help when he says that a prophet's going to come from among your people. And then Moses is told that the prophet will be like Moses. That doesn't mean the prophet has to have had received the Ten Commandments, be known all over the world as a great leader in our faith. What Moses was, um, I think, characterized by was humility. He was called the most humble man who ever lived. Moses was characterized by compassion. He would rather bad things happen to him than happen to his people. He said, God, you'll remember we talked about this a couple months ago. Don't let, don't go forward with me if you're not going to bring everybody with me. Uh, Moses was well known that he cared more about the people than he cared about himself. If someone has a word for you or for us that they claim is from God, and they are making a profit off saying it or they're selling it, they're probably not like Moses. If they, if it, the word is a hard word and they seem to be happy about it, they're probably not from God. People around us, a dime a dozen, are telling us this bad thing is going to happen to America and that bad thing is going to happen to America. And maybe it is, but they shouldn't be so happy about it. A real prophet is first and foremost concerned is for his or her people. So when somebody tells you something, you should sense that they have a real compassion for you, that they really care about your life, about your family, about your walk with God. And finally, Moses says this, and if what they say doesn't come true, it wasn't for me, do not be alarmed. I read into this, I'm I'm not sure completely on this one, but I read into this that if somebody brings us a message of alarm, and that's the first and only message they've ever given us, it may not be from God. What I see in the scripture is God comes to people and nations often trying to lovingly encourage them and get them on the right path. And only after repeated efforts to get them to walk the path of God does a harder, alarming word come. If somebody out of the blue gives you the worst news possible and it alarms you, you might need to back up for a moment and ask yourself, is this really from God? Because my sense of God in the scriptures, God's first going to work through love and encouragement. And only when we fail to respond to love and encouragement does God have to move to uh, more stringent words and methods. This Thursday night at 7 o'clock, the four of us who went to Burundi in Africa uh, are going to uh, report on, on what we learned of God and what we saw of God during our uh, time with the Burundians. And it will be in the seminar room at 7 o'clock Thursday. But let me tell you just one thing that happened to me because I, I hope maybe it may, um, it may help in some way. Uh, the second day of the pastor's conference that we were leading, I thought about a pastor who was not there on the first day. And I remember that last year I met him. He was one of only two of the pastors that had seminary education. Most of their pastors have sixth grade or eighth grade educations. And his seminary education came from South Africa. So he not only spoke Karundi, their heart language, he spoke French. He also spoke English. And I remember him telling me, you know, my English Bible is in such sad shape that someday I hope to get another English Bible. Well, I'm praying that morning, and and I get a sense that, you know, I should give him, if he shows up, 
my English Bible. And then I think about it some more and I think, no, that's just guilt. I'm feeling bad that I didn't remember to bring him one. And then I'm thinking, I really don't know. So that, um, that morning we eat breakfast and, and we go on and, and it's time for the first talk with the pastors. And they say, the translator, they tell me in broken English, translator is in a meeting with the bishop, he's not here. We, we are giving you a different translator than what you had the first day. Okay, I say. I stand up and get ready to talk and out from the group of pastors, a man I haven't seen on the first day, it walk and out walks the man that I felt God was telling me to give him my English Bible. And I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. And I went ahead and did the talk. And I shared it with a friend and I said, you know, but it might be guilt. And I know that I'm easily guilted and I really only have one Bible with me. And it's the only large print Bible I own. And I'm a guy now that needs large print. And so I'm thinking of all of this. And, and so, but, you know, I go to lunch and I say, okay. Okay, if I see the guy after lunch, I'll give him my Bible. I'm probably supposed to do that. But after lunch, we're getting ready to start, and I don't see him. And I thought, see, it was just bad food I ate last night. You know, this really wasn't anything from God. So I stand up, translator, new translator, my normal translator, gets ready. We get ready to start, and the bishop says something in Karundi that I don't understand, but basically he's apparently calling for an opening invocation. And from a corner of the room where I hadn't noticed him, steps the man up again that I was supposed to give the Bible to. So I said to God, okay, I'll do it. And when it was over, we shared, and, and, and I told him I had a leading that I was supposed to give you this, and he said, well, he had gotten a leading that, that he would get an English Bible. And I gave it to him, and we walked off. Nothing alarming happened. Nobody got called on the carpet. But he had, for the first time in several years, an English Bible. And I had a renewed sense that God really does lovingly talk to us if we'll take the time to listen and obey. And my hunch is, for Moses, that's how prophecy ought to start and ought to work. Through love and through encouragement. And that whatever is shared, we can always test it.